Coming up on NRL Teams, Cameron Munster is sidelined again, but will Cameron Smith or Boyd Cordner return in what could be a repeat of Round 8's epic encounter between the Storm and Roosters? There's more drama at Red Hill, but can the Broncos stop the rot to save Brisbane from more embarrassment? Will Michael Maguire make more unforced changes as the West Tigers face an uphill battle to end their eight-year final drought? And it's eight straight for the Panthers, but in 2020, will Penrith party like it's 2003? Yep, as always, there's plenty going on in the world of rugby league. Hello and welcome to NRL Teams, brought to you by Telfast. I'm Zach Bailey, uh, joined again by Brett Kamali and Robbie Farrah. And yes, there is more drama at Red Hill. There's been reports this afternoon that Tavita Pangai Jr. is facing the sack uh, due to his uh, NRL bubble breaches last Saturday night. But the Broncos have released this statement uh, just a matter of minutes ago. The club is still finalising its investigation into Tavita Pangai Jr.'s breach of Project Apollo protocols. The final determination of any sanction has not been made at this point. But as you can imagine, uh, social media has been rife uh, since this news or report broke this afternoon. Robbie, uh, you're, you're recently retired. Uh, does Tavita deserve to be sacked after breaking the rules? Look, I think for, for this instance, uh, I don't think it's probably a one-off that, that that's going to bring them to this decision. Um, I think it's probably a, a build-up of things, um, some offences through the year that, uh, that he's committed. If it was just for the offence of bursting the bubble, I, I don't think, um, you know, it, it, is, it is the right call. Um, but we don't know what's going on up there. I think, obviously, they said there's an investigation going on and... I think we'll find out soon, um, you know, what the uh, what the decision is going to be. So we don't know much about it. We don't know whether there are any more incidents or not. But to, when you talk purely footy, he's missed 38 games to the Broncos since the start. Uh, sorry, 14 of the possible 38 yeah. games since the start of last year. So regardless of this incident, he is turning into a liability when it comes to his decisions on field as well. Yeah, correct. Yeah, and his discipline is part of the reasons why he spent so much time off the field. You know, he, he wants to be the enforcer and wants to be the leader, but he goes a little bit too far. Um, we've heard Anthony Seabold over the last 12 months say how he's trying to control that. Um, he obviously broke the bubble, which we've had some players and coaches that have broken the bubble over the last week as well who have copped a fine, so they haven't been sacked. Well, is that a sackable offence? That's the thing. Yeah, is right. anything he's done a sackable offence? It's going to well, be we don't, interesting we, to see what comes out of it. It, it. it puts them in a horrible position because only last week or well, two weeks ago, Dave Fafita announced he's going to leave to go to the Gold Coast Titans, and that would be because they obviously couldn't match the money that he was getting offered by the Titans. So then to keep that money... And now to lose Pangai Jr. Potentially. You, potentially. Mm. You potentially now have lost both of them. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a big uh, news story. As we said, uh, he hasn't been sacked by the Broncos yet. We don't know whether we were, he will eventually be sacked. Um, but watch this space. We'll have all the latest news on NRL.com. Uh, as you said, Noddy, uh, Wayne Bennett, Paul Vaughan, Tavita Pangai Jr., other uh, people within the bubble have broken the rules. Robbie, you're recently retired, as I said. Yeah. What are some of the concerns from current players about the bubble? What's the thing they're finding hardest to oh, stick Look, with? it's tough. If I was still playing, I'd, I'd find it very difficult. Uh, and, and as we've seen the season go, on, we've found more breaches because the longer it goes on, you know, players, yeah, you know, you're going straight from training, straight home, and you, you can't do anything else. You can't go out for a coffee or a restaurant or, or anything. Mentally, it'd be very draining. I think the, the mental well-being of a lot of players, I think, uh, is a concern, and, and I think a lot of guys will struggle with that. So I actually feel for a lot of these guys um, and how difficult it is. Uh, you know, I don't... I, whilst, whilst it's hard because they are breaking the rules and you don't condone what they're doing, look, I feel for them, and I can understand... 
you know, some of them being caught out because you know, it's a long year just to kind of be stuck at training and stuck at home with nothing else in your life. Yeah, and I spoke to Peter Vlandes yesterday and I said that to him, are you empathetic towards everyone inside the bubble? His answer was they're getting 80% of their salary. There are some people out there that are, have their own businesses that are getting nothing. Yeah, but they can still leave the house. That's true. You know, so it, yeah, whether we like it or not, the NRL players this year are under a different set of rules to the rest of society. You know, and, and it is and it is difficult mentally. It'd be very difficult. So, look, I feel for them. I, I feel I feel the players can be appreciative that they're getting 80% of the salary cap. And I think Peter Valandis has done an amazing job to have that guarantee. But it's a hard thing to be a part of the bubble because the different states, different cities, different places, it, all the rules are different. As you said, if you you got you can't go and visit your family. Yeah. You can't go to a restaurant. You got to eat takeaway. You got to do all these things. There's sacrifices and, and big sacrifices, but it's. A, it's a hard price to pay for the players because then they're expected to go play good every week, handle the pressure and not have an out. Yeah, no release. It's a bit of a pickle. Well, hopefully for everybody's sake that uh, the, the COVID, I guess that is, that is what determines what mm. the restrictions are. So hopefully for everybody around Australia, Victoria, New South Wales, wherever you are, uh, those levels go down for all society. All right, we'll have to revisit the MVP votes and last week's predictions at the end of the show because the teams for round 14 are officially in. And what a way to kick things off on Thursday night. The Roosters against the Storm. Of course, we remember that round eight clash. It was a cracker. Still no Boyd Cordner, Brett Morris, Angus Crichton or Jared Wairira Hargreaves. For the Chooks, Cordner will, mi will miss a fourth straight week while Morris is still hampered by a back injury, Crichton a knee injury and Jared has his calf issue. The good news though is that Josh Morris is back from his calf complaint, pushing 300 gamer Mitch Orbison to the back row and Nat Butcher to the bench. Max Bailey falls to the reserves where he is alongside Kyle Flanagan who is in Jersey 21. No Cam Munster this week and still no Cam Smith. Munster is set to miss a couple of weeks with his latest MCL injury while Smith is set to return next week from his shoulder complaint. Ryan Pappenhausen returns from his rest last weekend while Riley Jack slots into the halves. Dalfin Nugan is also back after being rested. Their comebacks force Nico Hines and Tino Fasua Ma'alawi back to the bench. Uh, it's the first time Melbourne will be without both of their cams, Munster and Smith, uh, since 2017, round 18, so more than three years. How will they go without them? Oh, they'll be okay. They're not, not quite as good as they're going to be with those two guys playing, but they, they certainly go okay. Um, yeah, Pappenhausen back is a huge in for them. Obviously, Brandon Smith plays that dummy half role. They play their system so well. They don't lose the style of footy they play. They just lose how good the person is that does that, that role in the team. So uh, they had a victory, as you said, at the start of July. They've got about a 70% strike rate in, the, in, the, in, the, in total matches played against the, the Sydney Roosters. So I think they believe in themselves. They back themselves. Um, and, and obviously, you know, the, the Roosters are missing quite a few stars as well. So it takes away how, how high quality this game would have been with the stars in. But it's still going to be a cracking game. It's the arm wrestle. It's the kicking game. It's the execution. The two number ones are pretty good to watch as well. They are great. And it's great to see Ryan Pappenhausen back, although he was just rested. Just Cam Munster missed that match. But without Cam Smith, are Melbourne better and more equipped to, to deal with but without both of them this time, given Cam Munster uh, wasn't there for this win last time? Well, I think Noddy touched on I think with Melbourne, it's all about the system more so than the individual. Yeah. And they just they seem to just work like clockwork, clockwork no matter who comes in or who goes out of the side. And 
That's what's made him so good and so consistent for so long. So, look, I think they'll obviously be affected because it's very hard to replace players like Cam Munster and Cam Smith. But, you know, the guys will come in, they'll know their role and they'll go out and they'll do their job. So, OK, so uh, Kyle Flanagan uh, was dropped last week. He remains on the reserves list. So Lockie Lamb gets his second chance as the Roosters' halfback. Did you see enough from him last week against the Dragons to suggest that Kyle Flanagan might really struggle to get back in this Well, the Drew Hutchinson on the bench surprises me. That's where I thought if Kyle Flanagan's going to ease his way back into the side, it's through the bench and then gets a chance to put pressure on Lock and Lamb. I, I thought Lock and Lamb played really good last week. Made his tackles, he kicked the ball really well, um, steered the side around. We just don't know what happened to Kyle Flanagan from the change so dramatically to, to push him out of the side and now not, not to be able to be even on the bench. Um, you know, Lock and Lamb, is, he's come through the system. He's been there for a number of years. He's very talented. Um, if he does his job, then, then you don't just hand Kyle Flanagan a jersey back because he's Kyle Flanagan. He's going to have to wait for Lock and Lamb to play some bad games, not do what Trent Robinson wants and, and obviously then take his opportunity again. The back end of last year we saw Craig Bellamy change from Brodie Croft to Jerome Hughes late and it mm. kind of cost Melbourne. Surely the Roosters won't go down that same track. Well, you don't know. Like you said, it's, it's Lachlan Lamb's jersey to lose now. Yeah. You know, he's got the opportunity and you don't make it a change just for the sake of making a change. And Cole Flanagan's got to earn his way back into the side and there's no reserve grade. So he's not playing <laughs> in, a, in a lower competition playing into form where you know, you're, you're making the coach stand up and take notice. So it's a difficult one for, for, um, for Cole Flanagan. As you said, you've got to wait for a bad game from Lachlan Lamb or an injury to get yourself back into the side. All right, you can watch the next instalment of this great rivalry on Nine Foxtel, Sky New Zealand on KO, or of course using your Telstra Live Pass across the NRL network. Friday night footy kicks off with the Warriors and the Panthers who are out on top of the NRL ladder. After a good win against Manly, Todd Payton has made only one change and it's a forced one. Jack Hetherington accepted his four-match ban for his ugly high shot on Martin Tapao. Lachlan Burr replaces the prop up front, paving the way for Isaiah Papali'i to return to the bench for the first time since round 11. Things are travelling along pretty nicely out at Penrith, who are unchanged for now. Tyrone May remains in the centres as round 13 rookie Dane Laurie holds his spot on the bench. Dylan Edwards is on the reserves list and could be a late in as he recovers from his second hamstring injury this season. Now, there is some fresh news on Jack Hetherington, uh, who is a Panther currently on loan to the Warriors. So he will remain with the Warriors for the next two weeks. Then he'll return to Penrith for two weeks. Then the Warriors are expected to want him back after that. It all comes down to the fact that the Warriors don't want to pay uh, his full freight for those two weeks that he's suspended. And no doubt he'll want to be out to uh, impress new uh, Warriors coach Nathan Brown uh, with news over the weekend that he takes over for 2021. That is confusing. <laughs> what isn't is the fact that uh, Chanel Harris-Tavita and Cody Nikarima were great on the weekend. They'd played 12 games previously in the same match, but yeah. never started in the halves together. What do they need to do against the likes of Nathan Cleary and Jerome Luai. Well, we'll not be in awe of how good Penrith are going and just back themselves because that's what they did very, very well last week. They got the chance to, to steer the side around. Uh, Nick Arima stepped up in his kicking game. You know, you talk about Blake Green who took first pass in about 90% of the time and did 95% of the kicking. So these guys didn't get an opportunity. Um, and I, I like the style of football they're playing under Todd Payton. And, and Todd Payton was a ball-playing forward, so hopefully he's helping his halves how to play what he wants from him and give him a bit of confidence. So... I think they're going very good. I think it, I, I don't think people think the Warriors are going to beat Penrith, who are absolutely flying. So it's an opportunity to go without pressure into a game and actually just test themselves to see where they're at. Because they're, 
They've been good the last few weeks, the Warriors. They have, no doubt. They can expect plenty of traffic their way, especially with some of the big men um, up front for the Panthers. Here was uh, some of their metres against, um, I think it was the Raiders on the weekend. So Tamo, Fisher-Harris, Kikau, Yo and Leota all over uh, 100 or equaling to 100 metres on the weekend. Uh, Nathan Cleary, Stephen Crichton, Happy Coruscant rightfully getting uh, a fair bit of the praise. But is this... Is this pack the reason why the Panthers are on top? Oh, no doubt. No doubt. You, you know, they've been unheralded, this pack. They've been outstanding all year. They're, you know, we've spoken about how well Nathan Cleary's been going, probably in the form of his career. Same with Api Corosau. has been a great signing for them. But as a half and a hooker, you can't play off the back, you know, off, off no go forward, slow play the balls. And, and these guys in the, in the forward pack, they're just going forward. They're punching through the line. They're getting up, playing the ball fast. And off the back of that, as you said, Cleary, Corosau... Crichton and the like, they're just looking like superstars on the back of it. And they're playing, they've got so much shape as well. They fall into their shape very well. So they look like they're extremely fit and they look like they know where they've got to get to across the park. And as you said, if you get momentum and the defence is going backwards continuously, then you feel like you want to play more football. You get more excited. You get on the front foot. So some good things happening. Eight in a row for Penrith. That is right. Uh, and there's plenty of hype around the Panthers. Here's what Channel 9's uh, Billy Slater had to say about their premiership cre credentials. I've been really impressed with the Panthers at the moment. Um, Nathan Cleary is is playing as, as good as a halfback's playing in the competition, and he's playing the best that I've seen him play. The, the way that the game has changed with the six-to-go rule, I think it's really helped Cleary because he likes to get the ball all the time, and he's got, he's got all these soldiers out there that just want to work for the team. Um, they, they run nice and direct. They get in their lanes, they keep their width and they rely on their halves to distribute the ball to their strikes. Yeah, I think if they can keep it up and they can keep a healthy roster, there's no reason why they can't win the competition. So they're chasing a record ninth straight win uh, this weekend. That was Billy speaking on Inside the NRL. The last time they won eight straight, 2003, they won the comp. Yeah. Can they do it this year? Yeah. Uh, they're, they're my best side at the moment in the competition. They've, had, they've got no injuries. Um, they're playing a brand of football that suits a new style of football, as Billy said. Um, they've got a little bit of depth, which allows for some areas. But I've got, I got Penrith as one and Melbourne Storm as two and probably Roosters as three because of their injury concern. So uh, that's, that's where I rank them. But... Mm. They're flying. Do you agree, Robbie? They're the top three sides at the moment? Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Obviously, the Panthers are flying eight in a row, um, you know, full of confidence. And I think the big thing, as we've mentioned uh, previously on the show as well, is they're fully fit at the moment. And I think the team that can stay as healthy as they can for as long as possible, you know, heading deep into the, into the final series, is going to be the team with the best chance. So you look at those sides you know, that are fit, and they're the teams that are going the best at the moment. So you talk about, like, if they go on and win the comp, that means they're going to probably continue to keep winning. So that's, we're, we've got eight in a row now. That's going to get the, like, 14, 15 matches if they win the competition. So the more you win, the more you believe you're going to keep winning. Or is it you get closer to a loss, and that loss might come at the wrong time? You guys are more experienced than I am, mm. so... Do you have the answer? Uh, 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 yeah. What were you trying to say before? Let's move on. We're out the bank. Where? Oh, brutal. Hang on. Oh, I'm going to get you back later in the show. All right, we're uh, out of the Bankwest Stadium for the late game on Friday night. The Eels and Dragons, uh, Friday, 7.55pm. Uh, Ryan Madison is back for his first match since suffering a head knock against his old club, the West Tigers, in round 11. Murata Nikore drops back to the bench while Andrew Davey becomes Brad Arthur's new 18th man. After dropping him last week, Paul McGregor has recalled Corey Norman to start at 5-8 against his old club. 
That sees Ben Hunt move to hooker and skipper Cam McInnes move to lock. Tyrell Fuimaono replaces Tarek Sims in the back row. He has a shoulder injury. Jackson Ford has been uh, banned for two weeks for his nasty trip on Luke Keary last Thursday. So Corbin Sims is recalled and so is Jacob Host. The Eels have to back up on a five-day turnaround. Uh, Brad Arthur described their win against the Sharks as tough, gritty and dumb, but it was played in terrible conditions. Will that hamper them given their short turnaround? Um, you know, heavy track. It was a very heavy track mm. too. So, you know, they could have some heavy legs through the week. And, you know, this week for the, for the Eels on a short turnaround, five-day turnaround, will just be all about recovery. They won't do too much on the training paddock. It'll just be about getting your body physically, you know, right, you know, for the game this weekend. And sometimes that can, that can really help and really freshen you up. You know, I was always a fan of the five-day turnaround because you hardly did any training. So, <laughs> um, I always enjoyed it, to be honest, and it was all about recovery and mental preparation and just getting yourself physically and mentally prepared you know, for the game on the weekend. But they've got some big bodies, don't they, up front? So that they, they'll need that rest. Yeah, but you know, these days, especially with you know, your, your high-performance uh, guys involved in, this, you know, with, in the clubs, and um, it's all about, as I said, nutrition and recovery and diet and sleep and things like that. So you know, they'll be right on top of it, and they'll have the guys ready to go this weekend. There are some rumblings. I don't know if I, I want to talk to you, but I will bring you back <laughs> in the conversation, Noddy. There are some rumblings that um, Paul McGregor's yeah. position could be, uh, or it is under review at the moment. Um, they've dug in once to save their coach. Can the Dragons dig in and save him again? How often do we have to keep hearing this about Paul McGregor? Like, they've got to make a, a, a pretty firm decision. Like, this was four weeks ago. We had a board having a meeting about the coach, about being under pressure. They've gone off and they've lost a couple of games in the last few weeks after being pretty horrendous. Can, can you explain to me what's going on with Ben Hunt, Corey Norman? Uh, can you explain that it keeps changing and changing and changing and changing? And if that's the case, if you don't really know what you're doing and where you're going, then how do the players know what's going on and, and where you're going? So I, I would think the best thing the Dragons need to do is probably make a pretty tough decision because it happens every year for the Dragons. Mm. It happens every year. It's happened twice already this season. What does that chopping and changing show to you, Robbie? About where they probably are? Probably clutching right? at straws, I think. I think you're trying to come up, you know, you don't know the answer and you're just trying to find how some any, sort of How is it any different this week than what it was two weeks ago? Well, that's ago. the thing. Like, <laughs> you know, why was Corey Norman not good enough to be in your 17 last week? Yeah. And then this week he is. Like, what's changed in one week? You know, young Tristan Saylor comes into the yeah. side, young kid. You want to give him an, an opportunity. But then he's in there for one week, he's back on the bench. Like, it's, um, yeah. For, for me, like I said, I think they're, they're searching for answers. They don't know what the answer is, but they're just kind of just jumbling up all the names <laughs> and numbers and picking out a side and go, hopefully this works. No, so the coaching caper isn't as easy as it sounds? Uh, I, think we've, I think we've seen this year. That's definitely not. <laughs> well, hopefully Corey Norman uh, has a blinder on the weekend against his old club. Uh, I've got to turn our attention to Saturday Arvo footy. And, of course, we've got the Sharks against the Titans at Netstrata Jubilee Stadium, still drying out after the weekend's match against the Eels. Will Kennedy remains at fullback. In some fresh news, he's re-signed with the club until the end of next year. There is only one minor change to John Morris's lineup. Toby Rudolph has been named to start, as he was last week, but he was a late swap with Scott Sorensen to the bench. Jack Williams is also back on the bench. That forces Teague Wilton and, uh, out, and Britton Nakora is again overlooked. After their first win in a month, Justin Holbrook hasn't made any changes to his 17, the belt of the Cowboys. Saturday marks a special occasion for skipper Kevin Proctor, who plays his 250th NRL match against the Sharks. Elsewhere, young Tonomapia is back on the reserves list as he pushes for selection after recovering from an MCL injury. Uh, so on the weekend, they were very gallant against the Eels. Their last uh, match against the top four side, they were be belted uh, by the Panthers. So 
if the Sharks maintain this form, can they yeah. be a dark horse come October? Yeah, yeah, certainly. Once they get all, and they get all the, nearly all their players are back on track, they're the second best attacking side in the competition, so they can score points. Um, probably the wet weather football didn't help their 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 performance the other day. They did only go down by two. Um, it's probably it's probably getting some victories in the arm wrestle is probably something that they need to fix against those top sides because they, they haven't beat too many of the top sides in the arm wrestle. Um, but yeah, they can certainly be a strike. They've got uh, unearthed some great um, new players like Toby Rudolph's going good, uh, Talakai's going good, some players you haven't heard of. Their outside backs have scored plenty of tries. So Sean Johnson probably, I think he's in career best form. So, But they've got they've got some tough games, so we know that they can beat the well, easy team. Like well, they they, can, they've got to beat the Titans to start with. But then they've got the, the likes of the Roosters coming up and yeah. the Panthers again. So and they and need to show their true well, merit against those They sides. need to beat some of those top sides in an arm wrestle because that's what a semi-final is going to be like and that's what a grand final is going to be like. All right, Kevin Proctor had a blinder on the weekend. He celebrates Game 250 uh, this weekend. He turns 32 uh, in February, though, and he says, I want to be re-signed to be part of the, the glory days ahead. They've got Mo Fodawaka, who's there now. Uh, Dave Fafita, Herman SASA, uh, arrive next year. How important is it for the Titans to hang on to someone like Kevin Proctor for the seniority there, a, a true forward leader? Well, you can see what the signing of someone like David Fafita has done for the club. They're already talking about, oh, the good times next year and I want to be involved, <laughs> you know, the optimism, the excitement around the club. Now, they're showing that in the way they're playing. You know, I thought they were outstanding the week before against the Roosters and then on the weekend on Sunday, you know, they were in a party mood up on the Glitter Strip, mm. you know, the Gold Coast. And uh, it's some of the best football I've seen the Titans play, to be honest, in the last few years. And you know, I think it's a real danger game for the Sharks this week. And, and Proctor as a leader... On the weekend was outstanding. I thought, you know, he was you know, led by example. His effort on that on that kick chase to to save the ball from going dead for the try just typifies, you know, what you need from your senior players, and that rubs off on everyone around you. And um, you know, I think I think he should be re-signed. As you said, I think they need some leadership and some senior players around there. And um, you know, with the guys that have got coming in, I think that'll bring out the best in uh, Kevin Proctor. Because we've seen the likes of Brisbane who let go Josh Maguire then unfortunately yeah. had to have Matt Gillett retired and they're lacking with Alex Glenn's sideline, that leader up front. You need senior players. You need yeah. experienced players that go through some good times and some bad times. You need experienced players that teach you how to prepare Monday to Friday. You know, the talented kids can turn up and play good on a weekend, but it's their preparation they've got to get in order. Uh, I think Justin Holbrook's doing a sensational job at the Titans. I think he's going very, very good. You know, got AJ Brimson played last... Like, he's a shining light. As you said, Proctor, they get some exciting players coming next year. Um, they've got really tough young forward packs. I, I think they're massively on the way up, the Titans. Yeah. And the Titans fans are already saying, re-sign Justin Holbrook for another three years. So hopefully they're not getting too ahead of themselves. <laughs> but it's great to see uh, the Titans going well. The second game on Saturday features the Cowboys and Rabbitohs. This is at Queensland Country Bank Stadium from 5.30p. A huge in for the home side. Scott Drinkwater returns, but at fullback, not at 5'8", after recovering from an injury. Hamaso Tabuifido trades the number one for the number five jersey with Justin O'Neill dropping out of the squad. John Asiata is on the bench after recovering from another knee injury. Thankfully, this time, he only missed a week, not eight. Isan Masters remains on the reserves list and still can't crack into Josh Hane's 17. Only the one change for Jason Dimitriou's men, with Wayne Bennett still on a COVID hold. Jaden Sewer returns from suspension in the back row, forcing Jack Johns out and onto the reserves list. Robbie, stop laughing at me. I've got to get used to saying his name uh, for when he takes over. <laughs> Wayne Bennett. Uh, one man that wasn't laughing on the weekend was uh, Josh Hunter. Here's what he had to say about the Cowboys' performance against the Titans. Just really poor. You know, they, they did the, the jersey and the club a disservice with, with some of the, the football that was 
put out there in that first half. We have got a long way to go to becoming a, a consistent club in terms of fronting up every week with the, with the, the necessary attitude and effort and, and uh, mindset to compete in this competition. Not if we don't see a response uh, from the Cowboys this weekend. What does it say about Josh Hannay's chances of being coached next year? He well, wants the job. Yeah, he wants the job. He's put his hand up for the role. He's probably in the in in the best position at the moment by being the head coach of the Cowboys. But he, he's right. They were extremely poor last week. And as a former player, he's entitled to have that opinion of him. And he's also the coach now. So, you know, he's he's a bit filthy at him. So he might get a response. Um, I think the last few weeks they've been pretty poor, the Cowboys. And... I wouldn't say that it, unless there's things happening Monday to Friday you don't see in their preparation and they're just performances off the pace. But I would at the moment say that Josh Hannay needs a big, big performance from the side this weekend to put him back into contention to be the coach. Does he need a big, big performance from Michael Morgan? He welcomed his first child on, on, on Friday night, yeah. so it was a big weekend for him. But the, was it too much to expect him to change things overnight? No, no. They were poor the first 40 minutes. The game was nearly over after the first half. So Michael Morgan, you know, they were better the second half than the first half, but he, he doesn't do all the tackling. Um, you're right, he was a bit poor. It looked like, and again, does Michael Morgan have the ability to manage a game plan? Does Michael Morgan have the ability to, to, to own a side and kick to the corners like what Jonathan Thurston did up there for 10 years? Well, at the end of 2017, he earned himself a five-year contract extension for $5 million because he was the best playmaker in the game. That's three years ago, but he but, was the best. Yeah, he, there was no doubt he was underdone on the weekend. He, you know, he looked yeah. off the pace defensively. You know, whether you know, he didn't have the confidence in the, the shoulder yet, you know, he missed some poor tackles, uh, his kicking game, his passing game. You know, when you've been out of the game for so long, uh, your timing's out. Uh, look, I'd like to think he'd be better this mm -hmm. week, but look, I, I tend to agree. Like, he's on the big bucks. You know, they, they built the club around him after JT's gone. He's got to stand up and be that main playmaker for him. All right, one player that is standing up for the Bunnies at the moment is Tom Burgess. It's great to watch. Uh, do you think he's really blossoming into the forward leader now? He said even a couple of weeks ago he was reluctant to take it. Mm. But they're playing their best footy off the back of his good form. Yeah, well, they needed it. You know, we, we've spoken about the South Pack and, and the amount of experience they lost last year. Heading into this season, you know, Sammy Burgess, John Sutton, uh, you know, all that George Burgess gone over to England. So, you know, they, they were looking for a forward leader. Um, they really needed someone to stand up and, and Tom Burgess has really done that, especially in the last month of footy. I think they've got on the back of, of his go forward and, and he's really led from the front and we've seen South play some great footy off the back of it. Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's adapting to the rule change as well. This is a huge frame, Tom Burgess. So when the, all of a sudden the rules change so quickly after we've come back from COVID and all of a sudden you expect him to be match fit and, and handle the pace of the game's hard. So he takes a bigger guy a bit longer to catch up athletically to the new style of football, but he's been great. You know, they've put Cameron Murray back to that lock position. Cody Walker is in super form as well. Like, it, it, the style of footy just suits him. Just play off the back of momentum, eyes up. Latrell's played a few games now, so there's a bit of match fitness for both those guys. And, you know, they weren't there for the first couple of weeks of, of South Sydney's poor form. No, that's right. Hopefully Cody Walker continues his great form this weekend against the Cowboys. Cannot wait for the late game on Saturday night down in the nation's capital. The Raiders against the Broncos at GIO Stadium. Let's look at the Raiders' outfit. Ricky Stewart has named Siliva Havili 
despite suffering a triceps injury in the loss to the Panthers on Saturday night. His inclusion means the Raiders are unchanged. There are a couple of changes for the Broncos as Peter Gentle takes charge from Anthony Seabold who is on COVID hold for 14 days. Ben Teo starts for the second time this season replacing Tevita Pangai Jr who will miss two matches while isolating after breaking protocol. Corey Pakes is an unforced change on the bench coming in for Isaac Luke who is out of the 17. Jordan Rickey is on the bench and becomes the fifth fresh face Bronco to debut in 2020. You may remember him from this year's All-Stars match when he represented the Maldives. And Joe Offahangawi will play his 100th NRL match on Saturday night. Uh, Robbie, uh, the Raiders have the worst attack of any top eight side. They've only scored 20 points in once in the last five games. Is it up to Jack Watton to reignite their, their attack and their, give them the spark? Oh, I don't think it's solely up to him. Uh, there's no doubt. Yeah, I think he's been in some decent form. But you know, we spoke about the Raiders and the amount of injuries they had. And you know, when you've got that many injuries, your attack's always going to struggle because you're, you're struggling for combinations and new guys are coming in and guys are going out. So it does become quite difficult. Um, yeah, so th there's no doubt that I think that the Raiders' mentality changed after all those injuries where they were going to win, win games on defence, mm. win games by toughing it out through grit, through determination. That's what we've seen in the last month, I think. A lot of, lot of people gave up on the, on the Raiders, namely over there, you know, after, after <laughs> Hodgson got ruled out for the yeah. year. But, you know, I think they've changed the way they've, yeah. they've decided to play. And um, there's nothing wrong with scoring 20 points if you can concede less. And, uh, you know, they've won some games of footy doing that. Uh, I feel like the, the Raiders look their best when Jack Wyden's running the ball and running the show. Yeah, he does. But, again, halfback can't run the ball on the back of no momentum. So that takes quality mm. players to get some momentum. So, you know, you agree. I agree. I, you know... Chance Nickel Clockstead, who scored the double last week, well, he's been out of action because of his mm. finger for a few weeks. Um, they've had different centres in position. They get Corey Harrow, we're near, uh, near arrived, um, Ryan Sutton, um, John Bateman. So they've got some quality players back in the mm. side. So, you know, it, it's hard to play well um, when you're out of troops and you're not quite there. But, you know, the, the Roosters would be exactly the same. Like their, their points scored would have come back a little bit from all the stars missing as well. Yeah, definitely. And from a side that might be struggling to score points uh, to a side that's conceding uh, plenty each week. Noddy, have you ever seen softer goal-line defence than what you've seen from the Broncos in recent weeks? No. And, and the forward pack that they picked last week was the best forward pack they've been able to put on the park all year. And they were soft, they were poor. Um, you know... There's so, there's so many things that you go, they've got to fix and change, you know. Uh, you know, I, I like, I've I had Peter General as an assistant coach at the Sharks for a number of years, and I, I think he's a very, very good coach and a quality bloke. So I say good luck to him this weekend, but boy, there's a lot of areas they've got to fix. Yeah, and it starts at the top, so there's talk about uh, they need changes to the board, they need changes to the coaching levels, there's players breaking bubbles, there's other players saying they want out, there's speculation left, right and centre. Uh, Darius Boyd has left their leadership group, he's their most experienced player and, and former leader. Robbie, how do you stop the rot? There is so, there's seriously the so much going well, on that, there. That's the concerning thing at the moment, is you don't know when, the, when it's going to end. Yeah. You know, it's, it seems to be one thing after the other, and I can't see where their next win's going to come from you know, at mm. the moment, and... You know, I feel for Anthony Seabold and, and what he's going through and um, you know, it's, a, it's a tough time for everyone involved you know, in that club. There's a lot of young guys you know, in this squad that are, that are going to be scarred from what they've gone through this year and I just hope it doesn't have a, you know, a long-lasting effect on these players long into their career because you know, this, a lot of these guys have never been through something like this. With the public scrutiny, yeah. uh, you know, the media exposure and you know, all eyes are on. Like, you know, guys crying, guys... You know, 
It's tough. It's really tough. As a player, when you're going through these, these periods, I know fans and stuff are upset, but as a player, no one likes losing. And when you're getting things said about you and your performance, you take that home with you. And I, I really worry for you know, everyone involved in that club at the moment. Noddy, are the Broncos under more scrutiny than ever because we as a society have less to do because of COVID? Because no, football has become more for people. Yeah, the first. It's something yeah. we can look forward. We, we always look forward to it, yeah. but we're always we're busy going out and catching yeah. up with friends. But I we think, can't do that now. No, I think the first few weeks when we were the first code to kick off and playing, there was a lot of eyes on it. But now the, most of the other codes have all picked up as well. Some people have got. You're at home. You're not sort of worried about sport in some regards as well because you're worried about your future, your earnings, your life, your kids, your family, and what's going to happen. But. They're a powerhouse of the competition. They make the most money in the competition. They've got all those third parties up there in Brisbane. They've got the best stadium, or one of the best stadiums in the game. Um, they've been in the competition since 1988, and they've been a, they've pretty much been a top eight side every year. And now the wheels have fallen off, and the wheels have fallen off a big way. And now, and it's now a one the, team town. Yeah, yeah, it's a one team town. So, you know, they're under the spotlight 24/7. There's no other teams. Like in Sydney, if the yeah. Tigers are going poorly, you talk about the Dogs or yeah. vice versa. You talk about Parra or you talk about the Dragons. We're up there. There's no other team. It's just mm -hmm. the Broncos. Did the Egos get out of control because it's one team, one town? They're patting them on the back. They're going great bits and pieces. And all of a sudden, now, now, now you've got some tough roads. We actually start to see the, the real people and the real, the real characters of the club that you want to build a club around. You know, breaking the bubbles, you know, jumping out of leadership groups. Well, I have no ego or no self-esteem left after you continue to give it to me and go, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, uh, moving right along. Now, the fresh news in today, <laughs> uh, Ben Eichen has submitted his yeah. resume to take over uh, as Broncos CEO next year. So watch this space. All right, Sunday Avo footy, the old rivalry of the 1997 Grand Final, the Newcastle Knights against the Manly Seagulls. This one will be played in the Hunter at 2pm. The Knights receive a double boost ahead of this showdown. Stafford Toa has been named on the wing after he and Simi Sungai uh, had their COVID holds lifted today. The NRL Integrity Unit determined, determined their level of COVID risk um, wasn't uh, big enough uh, to keep them suspended beyond this weekend after they attended a local rugby league game last Sunday. Uh, the other boost comes in the form of Daniel Saifidi, who is back for his first match since injuring his knee in round nine. His return means his brother Jacob drops to the bench and forces Brody Jones out of the 17. Manly, Brad Parker returns after a week out with concussion, while Joel Thompson and Curtis Sirenen are big ins in the back row. Taniella Paseca uh, fills the shoes of Adam Fanua Blake uh, up front and will hope uh, Martin Tapau is alongside him. The prop is recovering from that nasty Jack Hetherington high tackle. Corey Waddell and Hamoli Olakawatu uh, drop back to the bench while Morgan Boyle and Tavita Funa are casualties from the Warriors' loss. Snotty, we stood here last week and we had reservations about whether Blake Green would turn the Knights' attack around because he plays such similar style to Mitchell Pearce. But can he continue to unlock Caelan Ponga? Because Ponga was oh. great on the weekend. Yeah, he did. And we, we said that. We were, we were concerned about whether he's going to be good or bad for him because he's a very much a similar player to Mitchell Pearce. But... He was happy to give the, the full control to Mitchell and stand back and be the second, um, I suppose, less dominant half. He's a quality, Paul, a quality player, Blake Green, a good kicker and a good second full. But he did. He unlocked the attacking flair for Caelan Ponga. So we did say that that's how it might have worked, where the, you, you know, you've got Mitchell Pearce and Blake Green in front of you. You don't know where to defend. You don't know where to put your eyes up. And all of a sudden, that allows then Caelan Ponga to float around the park and, and pick and choose when he gets the ball. It worked last week, but... It has to, again, there's no reason why they shouldn't win comfortably this weekend against a, a manly depleted team. Well, after that match, Blake Green said he arrived at training. It was like 
they were back at school for the first day again, seeing all mates, there was a real buzz. So are the Knights in danger of getting too far ahead of themselves, knowing that it's, it might be that easy every week? Oh, I don't think they're in a position to get ahead of themselves, <laughs> to be honest. Um, you know, their, their season's still hanging by thread. You know, they're on the cusp of the eight. You know, I think they're sixth or seventh at the moment. But, um, yeah, I think this is a really crucial game for both these sides this weekend. Uh, it'll go a long way to deciding you know, which one of these teams makes the top eight. Has it changed your thoughts about the Knights' credentials, though, as a, as a too early to tell? Um, too early to tell. I think the Tigers were really poor last weekend, to be honest. So... I don't think that the Knights can take a really strong gauge out of that. Newcastle also have been probably one of the most inconsistent top eight sides this year. They go good, bad, good, bad, good, mm. bad. They've done that pretty consistently. That was a red-hot form, but what well, do they back up with? I don't think they've won two in a row since the opening two rounds of the competition. Yeah. Uh, Manly, uh, they have only won two of their last seven matches. We don't know whether Martin Tapao will play this weekend, but they'll be without Adam Fenua Blake. Um, have all their tough performances... Gone for the year. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, the, 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 the quality of the side that they have to keep pushing out is getting harder and harder and harder. And Des Hasler can squeeze a lemon and work on attitude and fix the defence. Um, you look at their run home there. You, you know, Newcastle is going to be such a tough match for them. And then you got South who are in form. You got the Melbourne Storm. You know that 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 are flying as well. And they'll have Cameron Smith back by then. So you, you look at round seventeen and round eighteen. But their season could be way over by then. We sat here and said, how many out of six matches that Tom Travojevic was going to be missing should they win? I think they're one. One of those six. Maybe a couple, yeah. yeah. They need troops back. They need troops back. I think if they can jag a win or two in the next couple of weeks and get Tommy Turbo back, I'm not sure how far Dylan Walker's off, but if they get some troops back, I still think they can, they can maybe sneak into the eight. Ooh, that were your premiers. They were my premier. Yeah. Oh, I just wanted to remind you. They oh, the actually, oh, get used uh, to you're that. Hold on, hold on. Pick on the bloke that likes you. Who was your prediction? Broncos. South Raiders grand final. No, oh, it was Broncos. I said Raiders. Someone said Broncos. I you said Broncos. Uh, that was last yeah. year. <laughs> uh, Jeez, now they vote that. Uh, the last game in round 14, the West Tigers against uh, the Bulldogs. This is at Bankwest Stadium on Sunday from 4.05pm. Co-captain Moses Embai is back in the centres and Tommy Talau is back on the wing. That means last week's debutant AJ Kapoa is out of the 17. The real good, good news story uh, is the return of Jacob Little, who will play his first game in one year and one day after suffering a complete knee blowout against Manly at Brookvale Oval last year. It was very sad to see. Uh, Luke Garner has been recalled. Chris Lawrence drops to the bench and Sean Bloor is out of the squad. Josh Reynolds is back on the bench in place of Billy Walters, who sadly ruptured his ACL against the Knights. There are two changes for Canterbury this week. Kerrod Holland uh, gets another shot in the centres with young gun Jake Avarillo ruled out with a hip injury he picked up against Melbourne, while Jack Cogger is in the number seven jersey for the first time since round three. He replaces Lachlan Lewis, who will spend a week on the sidelines to think about that high shot on Cam Munster. Now, Michael Maguire has chopped and changed and altered uh, his squad nearly every week this season. Here's what uh, Mick Ennis had to say on Foxtel's Big League Rap. The, the chopping and changing and the lack of stability. Michael Maguire, I, I'm with you. I love the standards that he's trying to set at the club, but the instability has caused all sorts of dramas. I think the fact that they're going out there trying to impress the coach rather than focus on their own game and what's important is it shows the players are playing on eggshells. They look nervous. There's no cohesion. And on the back of that, they, it comes up with fundamental errors. And when you start chopping and changing and making so many decisions with playmakers, that has Pretty a ripple positions. effect. He needs to pick his halves, pairing and move forward. It's as simple as that. 
Some very strong words there uh, from Mick Ennis. Uh, do you agree? Yeah, definitely. And he's searching for what he wants the culture of the football club to look like. He's searching for wins, I suppose, because he's a top. He's a coach that wants to make a top eight um, side. But yeah, it has some indifferences. Yeah, I do agree with what Mick said. But you know, it's 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 a bit like the Dragons, isn't it? It's a bit like the change, change for trying to find a solution. I think Michael Maguire is trying to set a higher standard at the club more than just going searching for results. This, he, I think Michael Maguire's got a long-term approach to making them a more challenging and more competitive side and preparing better Monday to Friday and getting ready for what a performance looks like so that when they get their roster and their salary cap in order, they will compete for a long time. Is it tough as a player, though, in the current squad, Robbie? I mean, you went through it when, when Jason Taylor dropped you and you're the New South Wales hooker at that stage. If you're in and out, though, every week, you knew where you stood there, but if you're out in, there, in and out every week and you don't know where you stand with the coach... Surely that's really tough to deal with. Yeah, it, it is. As a player, it's tough. I'd, I'd like to think that Madge is communicating mm. you know, with the players weekly so they do know where they stand. Um, yeah, for me, the concerning thing about the Tigers is you know, we saw improvements. You know, you know, they were looking really good. They were playing tough. You know, they, they, were, they got close to beating Parra. They got close to beating Penrith. They lapped the Broncos. And we thought, OK... And Madge would have thought, OK, I'm, I'm finally breaking through here. I'm, you know, we're getting better. We're getting tougher as a club. Then to come out and lose to the Warriors when the Warriors had nothing to play for, Tigers have everything to play for, and then to back it up with a performance like that against the Knights on the weekend when your season's pretty much on the line um, was the most disappointing thing. And I've got no doubt Madge will be pulling his hair out again this weekend. Well, it's funny because at training today when the cameras rocked up, they expected to see really intense uh, Michael Maguire and um, all the players, you know, going through drills. But they said they'd never done a session like this, smiles, all happy, all yeah. fun. Is this the way to deal with things? Well, I spoke, to, games I spoke and... to a couple of players after the game and my first question was, how was Madge? <laughs> you know, and they said he was actually quite relaxed. He was quite good. And I think... You can't rave and rant every week because then it starts, it starts to lose, um, you know, its purpose. And I think Madge probably understands that as well. There was no point going in there just kicking chairs again and, and uh, you know, just losing it because it starts to lose, lose its effect. So well, he's probably tried a different tack this week with a bit more of a, a relaxed approach and, and hopefully that gets a, a reaction out of the players that way. OK, so the Tigers face all four top four sides in their remaining seven games. So I have to put you on the spot here. Yep. Um, can they make the eight from where they're at? It pains me to say it, but no. no. When, when you lose to the Warriors um, and the Knights, you don't really deserve to make the eight. I think the Tigers' season was in their hands two weeks ago. You know, they were in the top eight. I think they were sixth or seventh. Coming up against the Warriors' side, yeah, that's really under the pump. And then a Newcastle side that's under strength. And to go out and lose both those games, and then you're playing the top four or five teams you know, in the run home to the final series... I don't think they can make the eight. OK. So the Bulldogs uh, crawled, the dog, uh, crawled the Tigers back in 2018 and 2019. Yeah. Do, you, do you agree if they lose the Bulldogs this weekend, that's it? Yeah, definitely, yeah. Their season's over. They lose three in a row in, in a very important time of the year. Their season is well and truly over because they're four points behind eighth at the moment. They put six points behind eighth position. So uh, I, I don't expect Canterbury to beat them. I, I think Canterbury... Again, Canterbury through George Ellis the first couple of weeks showed, showed a huge sign of change and playing a bit more football and going great, but they got blown off the park last week as well. Both sides come off horrendous losses last week, so there should be some pride for both sides hurting. I just think the Tigers have got Tigers have got more attacking ability in them and, and, and I think they've got more to play for. 
All right, make sure you tune into this match and all the other matches this weekend via our broadcast partners, Nine, Foxtel, Sky New Zealand Co. and using the Telstra Live Pass across the NRL network. Uh, sadly, uh, the city of Beirut was hit with a deadly blast uh, last week. Uh, it was terrible to see. Of course, it's the country of Lebanon. There are so many players in the NRL of Lebanese heritage, the likes of um, Mitch Moses, Josh Mansour, Adam Dewey, uh, Alex Twal, the list goes on. And Robbie, um, you are a very proud Lebanese man. It, it's absolutely devastating for the country. Um, I just wanted to give you the opportunity to say something uh, yeah. about the events over there. Yeah, it is, mate. I woke up to the news. I woke up to a lot of WhatsApp messages from cousins over there checking in on each other, making sure everyone was safe. And turn on the TV to, to see what I was just in complete disbelief to be honest and it was a country that was uh, already on its knees to begin with you know economically and um, now to see them having to go through this is, is completely heartbreaking I was distraught you know for days um, it's a place I um, you know I love so much I've been there a lot of times and even though I'm born here when you go back to Lebanon knowing that's your heritage you, you have a special connection to the place and I just feel sorry for the people you know Lebanon's been you know, you know kicked you know, nine or ten times they keep getting back up. It's such a beautiful place and the people deserve better and I just hope the right people come in and, and help them rebuild you know, what is such... It, it's such a beautiful place. You know, it, it's an amazing country with so much potential. I just hope they can um, you know, get back from this and come back bigger, better and stronger. And It's great to see everyone support them. It's great to see a lot of awareness being raised. You know, Josh with the Lebanese flag and um, after the game and you know, Adam and you know, with, with signs on their wrists and things like that. Um, it's, it's quite amazing but... Um, Absolutely heartbreaking you know, for the country. It's um, yeah, it's it's devastating to be honest. And not it was great, I guess, to, to see the rugby league community come together. Uh, the likes of Josh Mansour and other players uh, pointing to their wrist in support um, of the people of Lebanon. Yeah, that's right. And, and obviously their heritage. It's where they come from. It's where their families are all from. We saw you know only a couple of seasons ago when the World Cup was participating, we saw the fan base for the Lebanese side, Robbie, when you were the captain of them. It was just. Mm. Fanatical, so very passionate group, uh, very supportive group. And as you say, if you're a player, in some regards, it's nice to see the players take their their leadership or the, or, or you know, the heroism and, and, and actually show support for the town. All right. Well, our thoughts and prayers go out to everybody that's been affected uh, by that deadly blast, and uh, we thank everybody that's uh, supported those affected. All right. We now have to look back at the uh, headline predictions for last week. Uh, a couple of upsets this week for me. I, I really like the dogs. Another week, another Melbourne thumping. And my Tigers uh, against Newcastle. They're killing them. I think the Dragons will cause an upset. The Roosters 24 over the Dragons 16. Oh. It's close. <laughs> You've got really tight games. <laughs> <laughs> All the curse here on NRL teams continues, but we don't have to wait till the end of the show. We'll go right into it now. What are your predictions for round 14? Well, my prediction, it's, I guess we won't know the result of it this week, but it's a future prediction. Ooh. Are we, are we allowed the, that? The winner of the Newcastle Manly game will make the eight and the loser will miss the eight. Okay. Mm, pretty good. Breaking the rules, but that's okay. Not really. As long as you're not breaking COVID rules. <laughs> I've got Blake Ferguson... Scoring a double. He hasn't scored all year. He's, he's going to break his duck egg with a double. OK, that's bold. Come on, Fergie. We believe in you. Inside the NRL is back <laughs> uh, next Monday uh, from 5pm. 
join Katie Brown, Michael Chamis and Jamie Soud. If you didn't catch yesterday's show, it was a cracker. Uh, Billy Slater, as insightful as ever about all things uh, rugby league. Uh, that wraps things up. Uh, make sure you stay locked to NRL.com for all your latest rugby league news. And we'll see you next Tuesday.